Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. Welcome to Grape Top Church today. I'm your host, Homer Hargrove, and we have started a series about what's my mission. What's my mission? And last week we talked about the Great Commission. And this week we're going to talk specifically about spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts. And I wanted to share a little bit before we get into the message. For me, I was not raised in church like many of you guys know. But my first experiences of church was in a ministry-focused program. Okay, so I gave my life to Christ and went straight into ministry and it was through a non-denominational church that acted very similarly to a Pentecostal church. Um, Their beliefs were very big on the supernatural and on miraculous works of the Holy Spirit. And I remember this strong sense of idolizing, uh, uh, of this like idolizing by everyone of different ministers who seemed to have operated in this strong spiritual gifting. There's like this big lore to the supernatural. A big lore to the supernatural. And I'm, I'm, talking, about, uh, I'm talking about seeing people like falling over when a, the preacher waves a towel in their direction. I'm talking about like being, uh, seeing, um, seeing people falling over after being prayed for. Whole sections of people uh, after the preacher waved the towel in that direction. People shaking uncontrollably. Uh, uh, there's random screaming, random yelling, altar exorcisms, people just coming to the stage and, uh, and getting an exor- exorcist right there. Stage healings come up on stage, we're gonna, uh, and we're going to pray for you to get healed. Um, everybody speaking in tongues, I'm talking about the, uh, uh, seemingly like just the, the loud, loud speaking of tongues of multiple people at once. And... Even, uh, even this desire within, within this body to, of wanting to see gold dust or a, a visible fog of God's presence. I mean, I'm talking about really wanting to see the supernatural. And it, it, was, it was almost like all of, all, these, uh, all of this stuff and all other kinds of stuff, uh, all the stuff that I didn't even know was spiritual. I didn't even know it was supernatural to see uh, like gold dust in the room. I never even heard of that. And it was, it was, it was something. It was this desire to see something spiritual, and it was, it was almost like there's an expectation of seeing some type of supernatural uh, experience. And it seemed as though if a preacher didn't do something spiritually fancy, that the crowd would become deflated and and even find that person as lesser value. So there wasn't this big experience, this big show of a supernatural thing, then the crowd would just become really deflated. They'd even view that pastor as less than. I remember being a part of this program. It, there was a time where Stephen Furtick was the guest speaker. Stephen Furtick now is one of the most well-renowned preachers of our time. And, and at the, but when I saw him, he came as a guest speaker for the youth service. He was not even that well known yet. He just came out with his first book. And, 
And he wasn't even that buff yet. He just looked like a normal guy. And afterwards, I, I, I clearly remember, again, this, this whole service that he led, I, I was in the front row, I was a volunteer, and I remember thinking it was phenomenal. I, I remember thinking, uh, man, this guy's so down to earth when he preaches. Like, I feel like he's like a normal guy. And I remember thinking it was great. And then afterwards, I clearly remember someone sharing their criticisms about how if only he had the baptism of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> if only he had the, the power of the Holy Spirit to do something you know, fancy, something special, then it would have been great. And it, it's just, it's so funny because ignorance is bliss. <laughs> this guy's criticizing one of the soon-to-be best preachers in our time because he didn't have this, this special little show. Y'all dig what I'm saying? And I share all this because the topic today will be circulated around spiritual gifts. And I find that conversations about spiritual gifts uh, is it's kind of ironic within the church because what I found is that one of the main motivations behind wanting to know your spiritual gifts is to feel superior over others, even though the very purpose is to serve others. Y'all dig what I'm saying? And one of the ways that we are going to unpack this topic is by putting into context with an entire passage of Scripture rather than just highlighting the indiv individual gifts listed. We're going to overlook the whole passage. And I want us to get started by reading Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. We're going to read the whole passage first, and then we're going to go back to read segments at a time. So it says... In Romans 12, 1 through 8. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove that the, what the will of God is that which is good and acceptable and perfect. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly, oh, sorry guys, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think as to have sound judgment. And as God has allotted to each a measure of faith, for just as we have many parts in one body, and all the body parts do not have the same function, so we have, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ and individually parts of one another. However, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to use them properly, if prophecy in proportion to one's faith, if service in the act of serving, or the one who teaches in the act of teaching, or the one who exhorts in the work of exhortation, the one who gives with generosity, the one who is in leadership with diligence, the one who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So, starting off, we're, we're going to start off by understanding the principle of living, being a living and holy sacrifice. A living and holy sacrifice. That, in the context of spiritual gifts, it describes us as living and holy sacrifices. Okay? And 
there, the, the first two verses of this chapter explains both the acquisition of spiritual gifts as well as the purpose of spiritual gifts. It is, this, it is humble servanthood. Humble servanthood. And so often we read the Bible as verses rather than passages. And we see each verse as independent thoughts and often take, take only one or two of them to make a conclusion. When we, even this, uh, the, this passage where it says, don't be conformed to the way of this world, but be transformed in the way of your thinking. Have you ever heard that verse connected to spiritual gifts? We've always had it like just separated as this, is this independent thought, this independent teaching. But here it's directly connected to talking about spiritual gifts. And, and so the words that Paul uses are very specific and are being spoken to the church in a linear format. He's talking about one thing directionally. And the purpose of, of talking about a singular topic. So let's read the first two verses again. It says, it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So when he says present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship, he's expounding on the heart of servanthood. Servanthood. And I really believe that a Christian's life purpose can be summed up in the practice of servanthood. That a Christian's life purpose can be summed up in the life of servanthood. And holy sacrifice, holy sacrifice, this is a two-sided coin. Two-sided coin. Because we present ourselves as a living sacrifice to God as we, as we, uh, as in the way that we live by pursuing holiness, righteousness, goodness. And we present ourselves as a living sacrifice to people by serving them as the hands and feet of Jesus. It's, a, it's twofold. We serve God and we serve people. Wait a minute. That's just like when Jesus said, we love God and love people. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. See, love is often seen in the act of servanthood through actions and choices. And these gifts are unlocked to us when we devote ourselves to this kind of spiritual service. See, so often we crave spiritual gifts as Christians. We want to see something fancy. We want to be used by God. But really think it through. What does that mean? Being used by God is being used for people. It's, it's being used to serve people. It, that's the way that Paul describes it, is a spiritual service of worship. And gifts are meant to serve the body of Christ. So why would God pour out a gifting over somebody? Why would he pour out a gifting over somebody that is not going to use it for the purpose that it is meant for? Why would God pour out a gifting over somebody that's not going to use it? Y'all feel what I'm saying? And people, there's times, don't get me wrong, that there's people who are already sensitive to their gifting. Oftentimes we can be sensitive towards certain gifts that God has predestined us to have. 
But only when we understand that these gifts are meant to serve others do they truly flourish. So, for example, the, the, spirit, the, the gifting of prophecy. prophecy. There's like uh, similar to the idea of like fortune telling. It's being able to, to see clearly a path, to just know, uh, know like an articulate future without really knowing why. And see, that's the, that's the essence of prophecy, but it, it's never really flourishing until it is put within Christ. It's never really flourishing until it's put within Christ. And there's plenty of ways that the devil will try to pervert this spirit of prophecy, this, this divine sensitivity that people have. And it's through like fortune telling or uh, I don't know if tarot cards count because that's like, uh, I could do that. <laughs> Just pick up a deck of cards. But what I'm getting at is we often try to uh, use these giftings without really accessing the power of those giftings. And this is why Paul says within the passage, do not be conformed to this world be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, when we take those giftings out of serving others, we try to use them to serve ourselves. This simple idea of like fortune telling, is it really because people, the, these people are like just so passionate about, about helping people be guided in their life and knowing what to do? No, it's a business. I need some money, dog. That, it's a profit scheme. It's to serve self. But see, prophesying, prophesying, it is this, this noble cause of servanthood where, where you give this, uh, this illumination of the will of God for people in their lives through the Spirit of God. You're serving others. And often it's very unwarranted when it comes to financial return. And so when he's, uh, he's referencing this idea of servanthood and not being conformed to the world in the way that we're thinking, he's talking about spiritual gifts and the purpose of them. And he is also referencing Jesus and the moment that Jesus described this servant leadership, this servant leadership within the church. In Luke chapter 22, verse 24 through 26, it said, Jesus says, then they began to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. And Jesus told them, in this world, the kings and great men lord it over their people, yet they are called friends of the people. But among you, it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like a servant. The leader should be like a servant. And so that's what Paul is saying when he says, don't be conformed to this world. When I, as I'm talking about spiritual gifts, don't think for a minute that it's to serve you, to benefit you, but it is to benefit the body of Christ. He says all of this about servanthood in reference to spiritual gifts. And so we have to change the way that we think and understand and, under, uh, and understand to see that our purpose is to serve God and to serve people. To serve God and to serve people. So now that we understand this background of, of servanthood when it comes to spiritual gifts, I want us to go into this next point, which is trying to prove. Trying to prove. And I think that a lot of people, myself included, a lot of people have this innate way of thinking that we have to prove ourselves to others. We have this innate way of thinking of, that we have to prove ourselves to others. And we seek to be affirmed, we seek to be approved, and we seek to be accepted. 
And this ideology mixes very quickly with either our insecurity or our pride. It mixes really quickly with our insecurities and our pride as we pursue our purpose in Christ. And we start seeking this idea of trying to prove ourselves accepted by God. Trying to prove ourselves of being necessary in the church, of being used in the church, of being meaningful, being valuable. And looking for your spiritual gifts can easily become a stumbling block in determining your own worth and your own value. Look at what it says in the next verses, verses 2 through 3. It says, so that you may prove what the will of God is. Not that you may prove yourself, but that you may prove the will of God is. That which is good and acceptable and perfect. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. But to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each measure of faith. See, Paul in this scripture, he's, he's reassuring that our hearts ought to be humble and understanding that God's will for our life is good and acceptable and perfect. See, we must understand that God's will for you, God's will for you, God's will for people is good and acceptable and perfect. And that we can trust that value and that worth, that we don't have to earn this type of value to God. His will for us is already predestined to be good perfect and acceptable. Y'all feel what I'm saying? That we can trust that. We can trust his process. And so he reassures us of that. And it, it is, this verse is saying not to worry about your future. It's saying not to worry about your future. It's saying not to doubt your value according to your gifting, according to your talents. And then he goes, to, uh, he goes the other direction by saying we shouldn't think of ourselves as superior either says, it's good to be humble, but don't beat yourself up in thinking that you have less value. And then he says, don't think that you're greater than everybody else. Don't think that you're more than you should. And he, 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 according to our spiritual gifts, he says that no one is superior. We are all one body as individual parts. We're all one body as individual parts. And so when, when one is weak, the other is strong. That's how we're supposed to operate as a body of Christ. Not when one is weak, we condemn them and judge them and, and think them as less than, not as good Christians. No, we're supposed to be strong for them. What does strong for them look like? I want to just break away for a second. What does being strong for someone else look like? It can be really exhausting being strong for someone else. Being strong for someone is, say they're going through a dark time and they just need to talk. And you go out of your own schedule, out of your own routine, and you go to their home, rather than you saying like, well, how about you come over here? You go to them because they're already weak. They're already down. They're already in the dumps. And you go and just let them talk. You listen to them. Be there for them. Be whatever they need to be in that moment. And if you've ever had to go through that moment where you're feeling weak and you just need to talk to someone, that person can say nothing at all. Just listen to you. And you're like, oh, thank you so much. It's like this huge relief. And see, for them, it was what they needed. It's a service to simply listen to someone else. Think about all the times that you guys have come to, to me and Lauren's house. <laughs> How many times have we talked on the phone? 
That's a service. It, it's, it can be tiresome after a long day and just listening, but you know what? It's a service. And in that moment, you may have felt weak, but we were like, you know what? We're going to be strong with you. We're going to hear you out. And we're going to be there with you. Let's pray. You got this. You can do this. And after the phone call, man, you felt great. And see, that is what it looks like being strong for someone while they're weak. And there's going to be a moment where you're weak and you need to talk. And see, that's what it's like. It's, it's something like that. It's breaking away from your schedule and going to the hospital to pray for someone that's going through a hard time. See, when one is weak, the other is strong. When one is hurt, the other helps. When one starts, another may finish. Someone may start, but you may have to be the one to finish. We all work together for the purpose of God. So we should not compare ourselves according to our talents, to our giftings, but rather we should acknowledge that it is God who is the one working through us and in us. See, our mission is to show God not to prove ourselves. Our mission is to show God not to prove ourselves. It makes me think about when I first started going to church, I was 17. And like many of you guys know, I was really rough around the edges, okay? <laughs> Had some work to be done. Almost fought somebody at the first volunteer car wash. <laughs> I almost hit the guy that invited me to church. <laughs> he had it coming though. <laughs> but see, I was really rough around the edges and I really just didn't fit quite in with the youth group, but I would still go. And it was, it was only for about eight months before I went off to the ministry program. And it was in that program that one of the guys from the youth group that I was a part of, who also went to the program, he, we had this conversation and he told me, I never thought that you would really keep coming to church more than two weeks. He had really low expectation of me. I mean, like really low. And he told me, he, as he told me uh, that he never thought that he would see me coming more than two weeks, he was making light of it. But for me, I could tell that he saw that I was less than at the time. It, it's funny how when people share something that they think they're being funny and it's revealing like a deeper truth and you're like, God dang, <laughs> I didn't even know you thought like that. And I was like, man, that must have been what I felt all that time. <laughs> Is that you thought less of me. That's how I felt. I thought you guys were judging me. And I, I just thought, it's all in my head. And now I realize it was true. You guys thought less of me. Because I was this amateur to the faith. I was an amateur in his eyes. And even though I would volunteer and set up... All of, the, all of the, the side laughing, I'm like, what's funny? Like, nothing, it's nothing. The inside jokes that I didn't really, uh, I wasn't a part of. All those little uh, snickering, the comments, the looks. It was all, uh, in this moment, I'm realizing it's all true. I was this amateur, I was less than in their eyes. And fast forward to about seven years later, I hadn't really talked to this guy all that much throughout that time. And he ended up going to another church while I became the youth pastor at our old church, the church I was not going to keep going to after two weeks. And one day, by happenstance, we met up again. 
One day by happenstance, we met up again. And we we're both older, we're married, and we're at completely different places in life. I had just started this church. He was working in construction and volunteering, I think, at his church, kind of just like slightly involved. And, and we had just both pursued different paths in life. And while we were hanging out, I felt this tension. I felt this tension, you know, like that tension of like you, you meet up with someone because it, it kind of feels like you were supposed to, like you had to. And then you're there and you don't really know what to talk about because y'all don't have anything in common and y'all don't really know each other. You're almost like strangers. Y'all think about like certain family members, right? And so it's like this awkward tension and y'all know me, right? I, I, I just can't, I don't like the elephant in the room. So I'll usually make a joke or say something most likely inappropriate or, or, or just silly. And so I was like, man, I need to break the tension here. And so I jokingly said to his little brother, you know, your older, your brother has never really liked me. And I was just joking around. I wasn't even being serious. And I was genuinely surprised by the reaction of his older brother, this guy that, that I knew from the beginning, because he kind of pulled his head back and kind of like slightly rolled his eyes as he chuckled. And then he said, it's not that I didn't like you, bro. It's not that. I just felt that you were so spiritual and it made me feel insecure. I felt left out and overlooked around leadership and you just seemed like on fire. And the reason I share this story is because of the contrast from the beginning when I first met him to the last time I saw him. See, do you see the, the difference by the end of the story from beginning to end? When I first met him, I was less than in his eyes. But then at the end, he was less than in his eyes. The truth is, the way he saw value was skewed and warped by the, his perception of spiritual gifts. Because the truth is, while our roles in activity and ministry may have changed, our individual value never changed. Our spiritual gifting never proves our worth. It only is meant to show God to others. It never proves our worth. My value was always the same from when I was an amateur to who I am now, like a, a little more of an amateur. But this guy was... His value was, was the same as he was a youth leader to being in a secular job. His value never changed. It was never dependent on our spiritual giftings. So we never have to prove ourselves. Our spiritual gifts are only meant to show God. So now I want to go to our last point, and that is by grace. By grace. See, there are roughly 19 different spiritual gifts that are listed in the Bible. Some people say 22, some people say 12, but let's just say there's 19. And even with that, it doesn't mean that there, 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 there are only that many. These are just the ones that are listed in scripture. There could be more spiritual gifts that aren't listed. These are just the ones listed. So alphabetically, it's administration, 
apostleship, discernment, evangelism, exhortation, faith, giving, healing, interpretation, knowledge, leadership, the gift of mercy, miracles, the gift of pastoring, the gift of prophecy, the gift of serving, the gift of teaching, the gift of tongues, the gift of wisdom. See, have you noticed that as I listed some of these, that some of these gifts seem almost ordinary rather than supernatural? Do you ever think that the gift of teaching was a supernatural gift by the Holy Spirit? Do you ever think that the gift of administration was your spiritually ordained gift of God? Hell no. <laughs> Thought it was a curse. <laughs> See, some of these gifts could be even described as talents rather than thinking of them as spiritual gifts. That's what I meant when I said that you have this sensitivity to a spiritual gifting even before you know Christ. It could be looked at as talents. Look at what it says in verse 6. It says, however, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to use them properly. And see, while in context, grace is defined as this unmerited favor of God, the word grace can also be defined by the simple elegance or refinement of movement. And I believe that spiritual gifts can often appear to be just that. It's just elegance. So it just comes natural to you. For me, speaking just as, was just natural for me. Even when I used to be smoking weed and telling stories, I was just like be able to captivate people as I told a fake story just to, to, to make things interesting. See, it, we can be sensitive to these giftings, but some, something similar that, to that of a, a talented grace when doing something seemingly ordinary is truly something supernatural. Because working in our spiritual gifts may seem much more practical than supernatural. Working in the supernatural can often seem practical. And I want us to understand, let's look at this, as I just kind of like cherry pick some of these gifts. When you think about giving, uh, being a generous person, do you, do you think that that is a supernatural spiritual gift? No, it is actually something incredibly practical. But see, that's, that's what it is for the giver, something practical. But now being on the other end, if you've ever had a, this, this random gift of generosity given to you, it is a supernatural experience. <laughs> It is a miracle. It is an answered prayer. I mean, I'm talking about receiving a random check. For me, different times in my life, receiving a random check or an envelope of cash was moments for me of getting on my knees and praising God because it was a supernatural experience. To the giver, it was like, oh, I just feel like I should do this. <laughs> they, they didn't even think too highly of them operating in their spiritual gifting that God was using them in a supernatural way. When I think about evangelism, see, it is incredibly simple to evangelize. You can evangelize to literally anyone. But in that moment, every time that I've evangelized to somebody, 
often, very often, to them as like, man, this is exactly, like this is just crazy that you came up to me right now. See, it was supernatural for them. But for me, it was like an ordinary obligation. See, that this is spiritual giftings. And you must understand that even though it seems like some may feel more spiritual than others, it is truly, truly practical at the end of the day. I'll give one last comparison. When it, uh, uh, it, it's not listed here as a, a spiritual gifting, but I think it's accessible to all because Jesus says that you all have authority. But how many of you have performed an exorcist before? You only seen it in movies? <laughs> The first time I ever cast out a demon of a kid, I was not expecting it at all. I'm serious. I was, I was really not. And I remember as he came up to the altar, he told me that he was addicted to video games. Boy, I have that. <laughs> that's, that's not a demon. I was like, whatever. And so I just started praying for him. Say, God, I pray that you deliver him in Jesus' name. Not even, not even special. I didn't even try to make it fancy prayer. I was ready to move on and get someone that had real problems. And all of a sudden, this boy starts shaking uncontrollably. It's like, what, what are you doing? Falls on the floor, like convulsing. Cut it out, man. You're freaking me out. Start praying over him. So I'm like, get some help over him. He just prayed the blood of Jesus over him for the, and, and for him to be washed in the blood, delivered, and just prayed over him for a couple minutes. Gets up and is like has this like is just crying at the altar. He's had this huge deliverance ex experience. He's like, man, that was crazy. I just moved on. It was so ordinary. Every time I've cast out a demon, I, I don't even get like like uh, like spiritually motivated anymore. Not that it's not spiritually like you know great. To deliver someone for Christ, but it's just like it's part of the job for me. It's like praying now whenever someone like you ever had a demon talk to you? That's crazy. I've had a demon start saying, like, he's mine, he's mine. Like, shut up. It's just ordinary at that point. Like, stop talking. Come out of him. I, I don't have time for this. I want to go do something else. See, the point of me sharing that is because it is a miracle and supernatural for somebody that's receiving that spiritual gift. But once you're operating in that gifting, it is just part of the job. It's part of your purpose. It's part of the, it's something so incredibly practical to where you don't have to summon a super Saiyan, super spiritual ball. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right, Daniel? Spirit ball? Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to do this big seance. You don't even have to light a candle. It's something incredibly practical. So each of us, as we are learning our spiritual giftings and our leanings, you must know that there's not this like extra credit program that gets you super duper gifts, that they're all seemingly ordinary, truly. And that as you start operating in them without feeling insecure about yourself, you'll be surprised at how much more you will be able to be used by God because you're simply serving people. Y'all dig that? So, as we, as we get ready to close, I want us to understand that spiritual gifts aren't supposed to draw attention to an individual. 
Spiritual gift isn't supposed to draw attention to an individual. They are simply supposed to provide solutions to problems. Think about any miracle. What does it do? It provides a quick solution to sometimes a complicated problem. Sometimes it's not even that complicated. Sometimes it's a simple problem. That's all it is, is, is providing solutions to problems. And sometimes those problems may seem more dramatic than others, but at the end of the day, they're simply problems. And supplying spiritual gifts to the church is God's way of using His sovereignty to empower us to unite and work together as the body of Christ. I like to compare it to the Garden of Eden. I compare it to the Garden of Eden because God gave Adam the authority to name all of the animals, to work in this garden. He gave him this job, even though God was much more creative than Adam. He's the creator. But he empowered Adam to use his own creative gifting to name every animal. And then in the same way that God could have done it himself, but he chose to, use, to give Adam the authority, he gives believers the authority to handle issues and problems that we face today through operating in the spiritual gifts and talents that he has given us. That is why it says in these verses 4 through 5, For just as we have many parts in one body, all and all the body parts do not have the same function. So we are many are one body in Christ. We who are many are one body in Christ and individually parts of one another. Individually parts of one another. If I step on a nail, that freaking hurt, but if I step on a nail, that would be my, my foot would be in pain. Now I'd use my hand to fix it, right? That is, that is simply how, that is really how the body of Christ works is when one has a problem, another use, is used for a solution. No, even though it's, it's more complex within the body of Christ, it's that simple. We are all necessary and we're all valuable. Our mission is to serve one another as the body of Christ through our spiritual gifts. So does one serve the body if they evangelize? Of course they do. Does one serve the body if they prophesy? Of course they do. Does one serve the body if they offer leadership? Of course they do. Does one serve the body if they give encouragement? Of course they do. Does one offer the, uh, serve the body if they serve by setting up chairs? Does one serve the body if they give generously? Does one serve the body if they teach? Does one serve the body if they pray? If they pray? If they perform a miracle, if they speak in tongues, if they give a word of knowledge, if they cast out a demon, if they help administrate, if they give advice, or if they show compassion, do they serve the body? Of course, they all do. So no matter what you find your gifting in, you must know that it is to show love by serving one another as the body of Christ. With that being said, I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes. If you're here today and listening to this, and for a moment, you, throughout this message at some point, you have this inclination within your heart that 
as we are talking about serving the body of Christ, you're realizing that you have this inclination with your heart that you've never made a decision within yourself to serve God, to serve God. And you feel this drawing within you to have this relationship with your creator. But you've never made a, a clear decision in your life to put your trust into the Savior. The Bible says that Jesus, when he died on the cross, that he made himself the gateway to our creator. He, when he died on the cross, he paid for the world's sins. He paid for your sins, for my sins. And because of that payment on the cross, we don't have to wait in a jail cell. Await for, we don't have to wait for visitation hours. We're able to go to God boldly because our, our payments for our crimes has been paid by Jesus on the cross. And when he rose from the dead, he made that payment valid. He brought the receipt and proving that he was the son of God who was pure and holy that paid for our sins. The only one that could do it. And if you've never made that kind of decision to put your trust in that doorway, to the doorway of the cross, and you want to today, with every head bowed and eye closed, I want you to raise your hand. I see your hand. So just there to yourself, I want you to have a conversation with Jesus. The Bible says also in the book of Romans, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is who he says he is, the Son of God that died on the cross for the world's sins, who rose from the dead. Surely you shall be saved. What it's saying is, if you have an authentic conversation with Jesus, that that is all it takes to start a relationship with Him. The word repentance simply means to change directions. It's not a mean, ugly word. It just means to change directions. We are walking one way in life, and when we trust in Jesus, we turn and start walking another, uh, this different direction towards God. Have that conversation to yourself. You don't need me to lead you through a pretty prayer. You can talk to Jesus yourself. Now, for the rest of you, if you're here and you feel like this message was what you needed to hear, you've been feeling even lost in your walk with God, your walk with Christ, and finding your purpose, wondering what your mission is, and as we were talking about spiritual gifts, you feel like you see more clearly now what your gifts are or what your part of your purpose is, what it is you're supposed to do when it comes to the body of Christ. And you feel like you've got more clear resolve in your walk and purpose with Christ today. With every head bowed and eye closed, I want you to raise your hand. I see all your hands. So God, I pray right now for each of these individuals that you would move through their lives and their hearts and that you would just finish what you started in them. I pray that you empower them and make them sensitive to the gifts that you have given them and that you help use them to edify the body of Christ through those giftings and that you give them boldness, that you give them confidence as they try to walk out their salvation and their faith in you. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.